it's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey LaBounty and Nick Wiggins. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to a Monday edition of the Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty along with Nick Wiggins joining you live from the Mobile Convention Center where we're bringing you the 2024 WNSP Chavez Furniture's Reese's Senior Bowl coverage presented by Joe Bullard Chevrolet, Greer's Markets, Rich's Car Wash, and DNK Suit Discounters. And it's going to be a very busy week to where we see a lot of the people that we watch on television on Fridays and Saturdays getting ready to make the big bucks here right. in Mobile, Alabama, Nick Wiggins. Well, you know, uh, they're, they're for the most part, uh, most of the people we're going to see here are probably already making some big bucks in college <laughs> with the way NIL is, but bigger bucks, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, man, a lot of people here trying to uh, continue making a name for themselves here with all the NFL scouts here. They've been getting all their credentials up there just like us, but it's a big week, man. A lot of star power. Uh, if you've been on our social medias or if you were listening to Mark and Lee this morning, you saw that they were able to speak uh, in depth uh, about 15 minutes with Michael Penix Jr., uh, Spanish Fort Zone Chris Abrams Drain, uh, Florida Ricky Pearsall. Uh, and, you know, and a bunch of other guys, and we'll see who all we can get here on the afternoon. I know media day, we should be able to get a thousand players, hopefully on that day. But I'm excited, man. And you know, you talk about the NFL, you can't talk about the NFL without talking about uh, what happened in the league yesterday, right, Corey? Yeah, I mean, the NFL. You you look at the division championships, Kansas City finds a way to go on the road and beat Baltimore 17 to 10. And would love to hear from you guys in the app. Of course, you can reach us in the free Sound of Mobile app and correspond with us there. Is Patrick Mahomes already the greatest of all time? Because what you're talking about him is having two Super Bowls. Is it the greatest player or is Tom Brady still the GOAT? period because he has seven Super Bowl rings because you look at the short amount of time that Patrick Mahomes has been in the league and the impact that he's made not only him but you look at Travis Kelsey having been in the league for a while as well most receptions in playoff history and and that's huge in and of itself because that means you've played a lot of postseason games you look at the franchise moving forward with the San Francisco 49ers as well with that epic come from behind win against the Detroit Lions. Let's pick a game, Corey. Let's pick a game and just do a deep dive on it. There's plenty of storylines that came out of both of those games, but which one do you want to We'll start off off with with Kansas City because there again you have Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey. That's right. And and whether you wanted to see Taylor Swift and Eminem-type Super Bowl, that's something that a lot of people from – an artistry and a Grammy standpoint wanted to see, but you're not going to see Eminem do anything but give people the double bird on yesterday. Yeah. Is you, you see Baltimore in the game got away from what got them there, and for whatever reason, the league's MVP to me 
Lamar Jackson. You look at the way he played on yesterday, it's almost like he was in I'm scared to run mode and do what I do the best mode. Well, I, I, was, was it Lamar who was scared to run because he led the team in carries, 50 rushing yards, or was it the offensive coordinator who all of a sudden became scared to run because, I mean, Lamar was running it, right? I mean, if you look at it as a uh, average yards per carry, they were getting yards. They just didn't. No, I'm not going to blame it on. It. I'm not going to blame it on Todd Munkin. Okay. I, I don't. I don't think that his play calling was superb, but at the same time, it's the same thing that you're having if you're Jalen Miro. You can decide when you want to run. Todd Munkin is not the one who's actually taking the snaps. He may come in and call the right. play, but when Lamar Jackson sees something different, he has the option to audible into whatever he wants to. He decides when he wants to tuck and run. And when you look at having 272 passing yards, that's not too shabby at all. Eight carries for 54 yards, but he could have easily have rushed for over 100 yards there a yeah. couple of times well, when he was sitting there thinking about it. But, I mean, he was throwing the ball, and his receivers were catching the ball, and he was making big plays. It's just that the receiver, specifically the one receiver, Zay Flowers, the rookie, just kept making these mistakes, right? You had the taunting penalty. Then you had the diving for the touchdown where Legereus Sneed punched it out right as you're stretching over. And, they, and we saw this. Last week with the Chiefs, right? They were the ones who were on the bad end of that, and it ended up being the touchback, and now you flip it, and they're able to capitalize on it. But the Ravens could have won this game, man. They should have. It should have been uh, like a field goal game there with the majority of the fourth quarter left, but they just kept getting some bad breaks. And, like, he's a rookie wide receiver, so you're going to hope that he learns from it, obviously. But... For Lamar Jackson, man, the narrative has just always been you, you can't ever win in the playoffs. You're not a real quarterback. You're regular season, and nothing has changed. Unfortunately for Lamar, because I like Lamar, and I think people give him a bad rap, but I saw somebody called him the NFL's Joel Embiid. And honestly, I don't think that's far off because Embiid Harden? is awesome. James Harden? Yeah. Maybe like a prime, like a Rockets James Harden. But, but again, I think that you look at the penalties that happen at inopportune times. And Zay Flowers being a rookie, he, he's going to take a lot of the heat, and deservedly so. But he's going to grow from that. And I think that that's one of the things that I, I see someone in that says, stop fishing, Brady is the GOAT. Well, I, I do think that from a player standpoint, Patrick Mahomes is a more, much more electric player than what Tom Brady is and Correct. was. Correct. And when you look at the amount of Super Bowls that Tom Brady has won, seven, that's a number that's real hard to catch. And you, you have to put this one right here in your trophy case in order to secure your third. But at the same time, from a player standpoint, I still think that Mahomes is a better player yeah. at the quarterback position than Tom Brady. Yeah, and, and see, this is where you get into those nitty-gritty, no-one-will-ever-win-this argument, right? Because you could say, man, Lamar Jackson does things that no other quarterback has ever done before, which is true, but if you said Lamar Jackson was one of the best quarterbacks ever, people would think that you're crazy, and rightfully so. I, I, I totally get it. Um, I think it is a little early to push him over Brady. I got him at two, right? We went through the whole list sure. thing last week, but, you know, you talk about 
how Brady's not as electric and stuff like that. You know, uh, when people talk about Kyrie Irving, no one says that. I feel like we're using all type of NBA analogies here at our Senior Bowl show. But uh, when people talk about Kyrie Irving, no media member, no fan ever says Kyrie, one of the best players ever. But you ask any NBA player, any NBA player, who's one of the most skilled players of all time, they'll always say Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is a player's player. And maybe Patrick Mahomes is that for the NFL. I don't know, but, I mean, we all agree that Patrick Mahomes is the best. But let me ask you this, Corey, going back to the game. Who is this loss on? Is it on just the greatness of the Chiefs? Just It didn't matter who they played. The Chiefs were going to find a way. Is it on Zay Flowers and those penalties and the mistakes, the no, fumble? No, it's not on Zay Is Flowers. it on no, Lamar on for throwing it into triple coverage and throwing that pick there crucial Horrible at the end decision. of the game? Who, if you had to, is it on the coordinator, the coaching? If you had no, to, the, the players play the game. At the end of the day, the players play the game, and they're going to be the ones who make the play. And you also have to look at the fact that Baltimore really beat up themselves. You yeah, same man. thing with the Detroit Lions. You're looking at eight penalties for 95 yards. Eight penalties for 95 yards that were at critical junctures in this AFC Divisional Championship game. And you can't have those type of penalties in critical situations. And we all saw the fumble. It was a tremendous effort by LeJarrius Sneed punching that ball out. Yep. And then for them to be able to go ahead and, and recover it, that's just that's what they say. That's them the breaks, right? Them's the breaks. Right. But at the same time, you, you look at Baltimore's inability to – Run the football the way that Why? they've been able to. Why didn't to. they? You see, it's not like they kept running it and they couldn't get yards. It's not like Gus Edwards had 14 carries for 20 yards. They, Only 16 total carries. Why? Why do you think that? Is it because they were down? They weren't down by a lot, but no, they were down all game. Do. I, you feel I like you're down, felt, maybe you throw it more. But. They felt they needed. They felt that they had something in the passing game that was going to work. They felt that there was a deficiency there in Kansas City's secondary. And at well, the and end of the day, they got, they got the big chunk, a, a couple big chunk plays, but they just didn't in, result in anything. And you still had a chance to stop Kansas City without them completing that last pass to go ahead and burn out the clock. I mean, you're you're looking at third down, and here it is, Kansas City catches you napping in your secondary, and they're able to go ahead and complete a huge pass to go ahead and run it out. So I think that Baltimore did itself as a team. You can't single – you can't point the finger because you point one finger and four are going to be pointing back at you. So mm -hmm. I don't think that you can blame it on Todd Munkin or blame it on Lamar Jackson. You just did not play your A game when you needed to in front of your home crowd. And now you think for Baltimore, here they go, you know, off season has now officially begun going into next year. Is this a kind of just a re-roll? Re Let's see if we can do better. We think we have the roster. We think we have the pieces. Or is there going to be some maneuvering, some coaching staff maneuvering, some roster uh, maneuvering? I, I think that you brought in an offensive weapon in Zay Flowers, and I think that you were able to not have, I mean, Odell Beckham Jr., I think he's kind of taking its course there. But Mark Andrews, two receptions for 15 yards. Isaiah Likely, two for 16. Lamar. I don't know if Mark Andrews use. was 100. percent no, You know they I mean, just reactivated no, been him. Been using the tight end as a weapon throughout mm -hmm. the entire season, and it was not effective. And I think that just goes kudos to Kansas City and what they were able to accomplish defensively, because not a lot of credit has been given to 
the Kansas people, City's defense. People are saying this is the best defense that uh, Patrick Mahomes has ever had the um, – the what, what, what word am I looking for? Why am I blinking here? The luxury of playing with um, because that offense really isn't much. Now, Travis Kelsey, in, in that first half, he was cutting up the – Ravens. He had like nine catches. Oh, it was ridiculous. At halftime. I mean, targeted eleven times and eleven catches at the end of the day. Yeah, you, I mean, you're not going to beat that offensively, and it, it, you know who's going to get the football. But the thing is, you've seen Kelsey have some drops, but when it mattered the most, Kelsey didn't have drops yesterday. Yeah. Nobody from Kansas City City really had the the oopsies and the well, dropsies. Me, well, when you when you talk about oopsies, dropsies with Kansas City, there's you know, one guy who normally uh, that's associated with, at least this year, unfortunately for him, but that's Kadarius Tony, because they have been, you know, in the most primetime moments, it feels like. Well, he didn't play in the game, um, and they had ruled him, you know, some, some injury and family issues was the reason they didn't play in the game. Uh, well, Kadarius Tony went on Instagram Live and basically said that's BS. Uh, he's not injured. The Chiefs are uh, fronting on him or whatever. What, what do you think about that? Is is no, that, that's I mean, not a good move. Could, though. Could Even if that's true, and they no, all... no. Here at the end of the day, you just had a baby. Would you miss your firstborn baby's uh, birth? Would you miss it? If I was playing in the AFC Conference Championship, you would miss your probably... firstborn baby. You would miss it. Yeah, probably. And you would not have a happy life. I guarantee it. If what I missed it, yeah. If you chose not to clock in for that, because that's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Which that one, you're not the game or the baby? The baby. Or the game two, though. No, I mean they're both once in a lifetime opportunities. But one's obviously he's already got a, a Super bigger Bowl. opportunity. He's already got a Super Bowl. That's he doesn't true. have a child. And when you sit there and you look at the reasons, he called it out on his own IG. He said, well, "Look, why, he though? wasn't. He was not. That's not he, good. He, he was feeling good." Andy Reid today said, "Look." We're not going to violate NFL policy. Kadarius right. Tony has a hip and ankle injury, which he very well may have. But Kadarius got on his IG and said that he was healthy. So, I mean, at the same time, you're hoping that Kadarius can go into the Super Bowl and be healthy. And I think that, you know, it's always family over everything, right? You have a football family, but there's nothing like football is going to be gone. Your baby is going yeah. to be last a lifetime. So what, the baby was born yeah, I mean, yesterday, yeah, so I mean, or like right before. Expecting the baby during that same time hmm. frame. So again, the decision there—it's a—it's an easy one to make. It's family first for Kadarius. Yeah, I just wish he would have approached it better online because now I'm like, man, that is just not a good look, man. You know how the NFL is. They all talk to each other, right? Well, I mean, as far as it being a good look for Kadarius, I mean, the whole season has not been a good look. That's also true. So, so, I mean, you're looking at a whole disappointing season for one Kadarius Tony in regards from a media aspect, from a performance aspect. Of course, you can look at it like that. But as a whole, when you look at Kadarius Tony going back to the Super Bowl that he had, I think a lot of Kansas City fans were hoping he could go ahead and have that same type of magic that he had in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and he just, hasn't been able to bottle that up yet. No, not yet. And I don't think they're I don't know if he's gonna have the opportunity in Kansas City next year. I feel like they're probably gonna make another move. Um he might have to just you know, fresh start. New area, new uniform, well, new it's logo, easy. Hey, listen, new coach. It's easy to do if Kansas City's able to win a Super Bowl with two 
Super Bowl rings on your finger, knowing that you were a, a first-round draft pick in your pocket. And That's once right. again, I mean, if Kadarius wants to continue to play football, he'll continue to play football. I don't think it'll be where he's blackballed. But in this situation here, you have a, a newborn baby. You decided to, to be there for your newborn baby's birth and can't knock him for that. And Kansas City won despite him. And at the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes continues to be one of the greatest quarterbacks that anyone has ever watched play the game. And Lamar Jackson continues to be the ugly se uh, stepsister. But, you know, Corey, I'm excited, man. This is the first day of our Chavez Furniture Senior Bowl coverage here at the Convention Center. We're presented by Joe Bullard Chevrolet, Greer's Markets, Rich's Car Wash, D&K Suits, Discounters as well. And we got a ton of other supporting uh, sponsors who are making this whole week possible, Corey. Pat's Industrial Auto Supply, Gulf Coast Mortgage Solutions, Community Bank, Ronnie Lee's Automotive, and B&B Appliances. And that's just a few of them. So thanks to all of them for helping us bring all of our listeners this exclusive Senior Bowl coverage that we're giving you this week. And we can't wait to do it the rest of the week, right, Corey? No doubt about it here all through the practices, early morning with the opening kickoff all the way through the final drive. When we come back, we'll talk more about San Francisco. Are they Mr. Irrelevant? They have Mr. Irrelevant. But They're relevant. They are now relevant in the San Francisco Lions Bay might area. be irrelevant again. We'll see. See how long it takes. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5 returns. Hi, this is Philip Rivers, football coach at St. Michael Catholic. You're listening to WNSP Sports Radio. Welcome back to the final drive. We're continuing our Chavez Furniture Senior Bowl coverage presented by Joe Bullard Chevrolet, Greer's Markets, Rich's Car Wash, and DNK Suits Discounters. We just got done talking about the Chiefs and the Ravens. There was one other game that happened yesterday. That was the Niners taking on and defeating the Detroit Lions. It seems like every team that everyone wanted to win uh, lost. And now the heavily favorited at the beginning of the season uh, Super Bowl matchup of the Chiefs and Niners is officially on. But the Lions, they came back. They rebooted, rebuilt their franchise. Dan Campbell, Jared Goff. You got Laporta, you got St. Brown, but it wasn't enough. And Dan Campbell, look, he's played in the league, and he knows how hard it can be to get back to a moment like this. You know, no one was expecting Detroit this year. They'll be expecting it next year. But let's hear what Dan Campbell had to say about the Lions trying to repeat what they did this year. And it's a lesson learned. And look, I told those guys. This may have been our only shot. Do I think that? No. Do I believe that? No. However, I, I know how hard it is to get here. I, I'm well aware. And it'll be, it's going to be twice as hard to get back to this point next year than it was this year. It's going to be twice as hard, Corey. Twice well, as hard. And that's true. Is. It right? always is. I mean, you're looking at a franchise that it took them 30 years just to get back to the playoffs, right. much less a playoff win. So to make it to where you are a touchdown away from making it to the Super Bowl, yes, that's much harder to get there. And, you know, again, Dan Campbell, I love the fact that he's going to ride or die with 
his decision-making, trusting his team on fourth down because he trusted golf to make the big-time throws. And there was a couple of throws that were not made. And there were a couple of balls that weren't caught, that were catchable in yeah, fourth down drops. situations. Now, mm -hmm. you, you ask yourself, should you take the points if you're Dan Campbell to go up 17? Absolutely, I think he should have taken the points. But I like the fact that he did believe in his team. And he multiple times on fourth down, he felt that his team was going to, I, to convert. I don't get that. Why? I get going for it on occasion but that i think it was the last fourth down that they didn't get weren't they on like the it was it would have been a 40 something yard field goal Corey. i think it was fourth and three and they went for it and they didn't get it they could have tied the game i think it would have been 27 27 at that point i might be misremembering but they went for it and they didn't get it again do they just have like the worst kicker in the league no, or something no i mean it's just a situation to where coach felt that they they had been going for it all year long one out of three Overall, and I think Dan Campbell, if he had it to do over again, I think there would have been a point in the third quarter to where he could have gone up instead of keeping it at 14, could have gone up 17. I think that that is probably the only thing in his mind that he would have rather have done over. But as a whole, I mean, you're looking at your team to where they jump all over the 49ers. I mean, before you know it, you're like, okay, 17 unanswered points in the third and 10 in the fourth. That part is extremely tough. I mean, it was definitely a tale of two halves. And in the app, they're asking if our friend Stephen Root is even alive today after how all that went down. Um, I, I did text him. He is heartbroken. And, I, and I, I said this to him, Corey, you'll like this. I said, uh, I said, Root, how often are Lions fans going to think about that loss to the Niners? I said 24-7. Well, it, it doesn't for our buddy Did Stephen Root. Did you get Root, it? Did you yeah, 24-7. Yeah. Our buddy Stephen Root has had a couple of heartbreaking situations in his lifetime. You look at... Alabama defeating Georgia. It's different there. in the NFL, though, and we were talking about this. Nah, like when, I don't when know. your college team is good, not that many. I mean, there's no, what 100 something no, college there's, teams. There's, but no, there's no difference between Stephen Root being a Georgia fan oh, and no, having to wait since no, 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 no Georgia no, no, had is. not won a national championship since 1982. It's different. No, I'm telling no difference. you, man. It's there's different. no difference. There's no difference it, between having it ripped away from you. Georgia had it ripped away from him in the national championship game. Here, it's that's different. not the Super Bowl. It's different. So, so no, it is, is no, though. There, it's there, the there NFL. No I'm telling you, hey, people in the app, if you're a diehard NFL fan and a diehard college fan, you can't be, you know, if you're a diehard college fan, you already know what you're going to lean. But if you're a diehard fan of both sports, truthfully think about it and answer. Because for me, with the NFL, it's more special. No. It's more special. I don't think there, there's any situation to where, at the end of the day, Dan Campbell being up 14, having a chance to go up 17, choosing not to kick that field goal is going to be the biggest decision that he's not going to get sleep over yep. at the end of the day. The fact that the Lions lost, yeah, I mean, you know, you can't put the ball on the ground. You can't do that. And they weren't doing that in the first half, and they turned around and did in the second half. But also, when you look at being outscored 17-0 to in one quarter of play and then scoring that late touchdown, that that's about where, where you are. Um, you know, someone says, no, the NFL is not more special. I, I think that, you know, again, Triple G, you, you lose – 
a national championship Look, game. I, I'm if telling you, Corey, I, Super Bowl I kick, asked, that's I, good. I asked Stephen Root about it. He said it's different. It's different in the NFL. It, there is no difference between when you have your guts ripped out of you in a national championship game and your guts ripped out of you there in the third and fourth quarter of making it to the Super Bowl. If you're in the Super Bowl, yes, I could see where the equation is equal. But here in a NFC championship game and a national championship game, at the end of the day, Stephen Root has had it in the worst way because he's had two of the worst losses in sports history when you start looking at it. And that's tough to endure. So I'm glad that he was able to pick up the phone and, and text and talk with you a little there in that situation. See, but, I guess my thing, though, is when it comes to a college football national championship, how many teams can technically compete for that? Like 100 and how many D1 teams do we have? Like 130. 130, yeah. But how many really can win a national championship? Five or six or seven or eight, right? In the NFL, is 30. Right? Every year, it's 30. No. Because it mixes. A team that's really good now is going to not be good in the future. It, the NFL is built, and most pro leagues are, to where the way the draft works, you know, if you're the worst, you're going to get the best player the next year. That's how it's supposed to work. Um, and then it kind of cycles, right? The Patriots ran the league for forever. Now they're kind of at the bottom. The Chiefs are running the league right now. In the, I mean, the Seahawks, they ran the league for a little bit. So it cycles, man. So whenever your team finally puts it together and makes it happen, I think it's that much more special. I will say this. The, but this is from, coming from a perspective, I don't, I don't have a favorite college team. You're, you're Dan Campbell, and you have a chance to put your team up 17. Moving forward, I guarantee he's going to tell himself, take the points. Take the points, oh, yeah. take the points, take the points. Because If, if Campbell kicks one of those field goals, the game's different. It, it's a whole different game. But, you know, you, Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy became very relevant. And he has put himself in the upper echelons along with the San Francisco 49ers. I saw that. They, they have the most franchise wins in the NFL playoffs. The Niners? Correct. I believe that. The Going back to Montana and everybody. Prior to that, I mean, and New England's right there at 36 and Pittsburgh's at 36 as well. But now that you do have a What's 49ers. What's crazy about New England is that was basically all built. Bill in the Belichick. past two decades. Correct, correct. But, I mean, if you're looking now at the 49ers Chiefs, at the end of the day, yes, it is going to be a rematch of what we were able to see a few years ago. And we'll see here. George Kittle talked about it, and we'll play that clip a little later on on the other side of the break. But when we come back from our break here, we definitely want to thank all our presenting sponsors yeah for sure uh the barnes fam uh, mcdonald's of the barnes family dixie supply mobile mitsubishi aids alabama insurance office of, of america lns air the orthopedic group ward international hal hayes with ultra wash of mobile and the afs foundation are helping us uh bring you guys our chavis furniture senior bowl coverage and when we come back we'll keep doing it this is the final drive This is Jason Caffey. Thank you for listening to WNSP 105.5 FM. Welcome back 
to the final drive as we continue bringing Chavis Furniture Senior Bowl coverage to you live from the Mobile Convention Center. We're presented by Joe Bullard Chevrolet, Greer's Markets, Rich's Car Wash, and DNK Suits Discounters. Corey, we're talking a lot of NFL this week. Absolutely, and there's been a lot of news coming out of Nashville, Tennessee, with the Tennessee Titans naming their new head coach, Brian Callahan, and a lot of people were kind of shocked when you looked at Coach Vrabel thinking he may get one more year to right that wrong. And we'll bring in someone who is having the 411 on the Tennessee Titans right now. Jim Wyatt writes for the TennesseeTitans.com. Jim, good afternoon and welcome to the final drive. I appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely. We have you because there's been a lot of changes and transitions going on in Tennessee. Everybody knew about Derrick Henry probably singing his swan song as a Tennessee Titan. But bringing in Brian Callahan, I talk about that hire and the excitement that the franchise is going to be getting out of Brian. Yeah, you talk about Mike Vrabel having another chance to right his wrongs. I mean, certainly uh, this team's had a lot of wrongs over the last couple of years. Lost 18 of the last 24 games, finished 7 and 10 in 2022, and, and then 6 and 11 last year. Not won a playoff game since the 2019 season. So uh, obviously that's not all on Mike Vrabel, but uh, just the way things were going, just the direction this franchise wants to go moving forward. That's why. The decision was made, and, and Brian Callahan was hired last week. I thought he did a great job at an introductory press conference. Uh, really bright offensive mind who's worked with some really good quarterbacks along the way, from Peyton Manning to Matthew Stafford to Derek Carr, um, you know, to Joe Burrow. Uh, and the Titans have a young quarterback in Will Levis, and feel like he's a guy who can help him progress as a quarterback and really help this offense get back up into uh, back up to. Where, where this league is going, and uh, we'll see how it works. And I, I've, again, I've been very impressed with him. Heard great things about him, and it's, uh, there's a new uh, sheriff in town. He's ready to get to work. Was the plan when moving off of Vrabel, who's been known as you know this defensive-minded head coach, you go and get this offensive-minded guy? Was was that always going to be the plan to bring in an offensive coach to kind of just mix up the philosophy there in Tennessee? Well, I don't think not necessarily because they interviewed a lot of. Coach, I mean, I interviewed 10 different guys. And, um, you know, some of them are offensive coaches. I'm trying to find my list just to remind myself of all of them. Uh, some of them were offensive minded coaches. Some of them were defensive coaches. Uh, uh, Dan Quinn was one of, the, one of the coaches they brought in here from Dallas, who's off, off, obviously got a defensive background. McDonald from, uh, from the Ravens, who has a defensive background. Um, you know, Aaron Glenn, who has a defensive background. They interviewed a lot of assistant coaches with defensive backgrounds. I really think that if, um, you know, if, if someone was going to blow them away during this interview process, they'd put themselves in a position to get the job. And Brian Callahan is the guy who kind of blew them away. And it just happens that he's an offensive coach. Certainly, I think a lot of fans here ready to see it go in that direction. I think probably going into this process. Uh, I think most people tell you that's where it wanted to be, but um, that wasn't a criteria. I mean, I, I think the criteria is to find the right person for this team moving forward, and, uh, and that right person is Brian Callahan. Brian Callahan, like you mentioned, just having a great offensive mind. And speaking of 
having a defensive mind here in Mobile, Alabama at the 75th annual Reese's Senior Bowl. Tennessee Titans assistant head coach and defensive line coach Terrell Williams will coach the American team. Talk to us about what he's going to be bringing to Mobile this week and the type of athleticism that he's looking forward to or type of players that he and Coach Callahan will be looking forward to put on a Titans roster next year. Well, Terrell Williams, you get a chance to talk to him down there. Uh, you're really going to like him. I mean, he's a he's a, a great guy, a really good coach. You know, one thing Mike Vrabel did uh, last year was give Terrell Williams a chance to serve as head coach in a preseason game against the Bears last year to kick off the preseason just to kind of let him run the show and, and give him experience. And I think – Real Williams reaped the benefits of that, and now here he is running. Uh, will be running the practices down in Mobile. So he is at, he's he's worked with some really good players on the defensive line. Jeffrey Simmons being the most notable off of recent teams. But I think I think one thing that you learn about Terrell Williams is his reach in the building has spread not just to defensive linemen or players on defense, but just across the team. I mean, I, I think offensively he had a, he formed a relationship with guys. So um, he is an up-and-coming coach, even though he's been in the league for a long time, has gotten opportunities to interview for other spots elsewhere. We'll see what happens with him moving forward here as Brian Callahan puts his staff together. But great experience for Coach T down in Mobile. This past season, y'all started it off with one of the oldest, you know, group of skill position guys, right? You got Derrick Henry, who's up there in age. Then you bring in Hopkins, who's up there in age. And then to start off this season, your quarterback was Ryan Tannehill. Next year, it's probably going to look a lot different, right, with Levis, Spears. I don't even know what the receiver's going to look like, but is Tennessee getting ready for just an all-youth movement moving forward? It will certainly be a, be a part of it. I mean, uh, and it remains to be seen what happens with other guys. Uh, but no question, Will Levis is going to be uh, the quarterback moving forward, and he's just kind of take the opportunity and run with it. Um, Tajay Spears probably had a really good rookie year. Um, you know, probably be asked to do more as he develops and is more comfortable in year two. Kind of remains to be seen what happens with Derrick Henry. I mean, everybody knows his contract is up. You know, during, after the last game of the year, he kind of approaches if this might be it here. He kind of gave a, 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 a talk to the fans, thanking them for uh, their support. Over, you know, since he was drafted here in 2016, he thanked anybody that really has crossed paths with in the organization over that same stretch, just kind of preparing himself for an exit. But, um, that's not official yet, obviously, and, and free agency doesn't start till March. Uh, I'm sure some other teams going to be interested in him, just like the Titans will be interested to see what where things go. But um, it, it will definitely be, just like every year, it'll be a different-looking team. I mean, there's always turnover in the NFL. Uh, there's especially been a lot of turnover here of late. And um, I think you'll still see a mix of veterans and and youth because the Titans also have more cap than they've had in uh, many years. And I think the key is to pick the right guys to, to who, who help do you think, build the team around. Who out of these potential free agents do you think could be that guy? 
Uh, too early. I mean, it's, it's hard to know who's going to be a free agent because some sure, of the best sure. guys on the market get, get tagged and not even available. So uh, sitting here on January the 29th, it's hard for me to tell you what other teams are going to do with their top free agents. That's what makes free agency so difficult is that right. good, good teams like to keep their good players. Jim Wyatt joining us this afternoon on the final drive here on WNSP as we're coming to you live from the Mobile Convention Center here to get you ready for the 75th annual Reese's Senior Bowl. And Jim covers the Tennessee Titans on TennesseeTitans.com. And we really follow Tennessee down here for a couple of reasons of interest, and one of those being Roger McCreary Jr. coming in from Williamson High School by ways of Auburn and also one that was a free agent. Speaking of free agency, Roger McCreary's good buddy here that he had an opportunity to know from his time here in Mobile, Alabama, Eric Garer pulled an uh, opportunity to return kicks for the Titans and also got some secondary looks and action as well. How do you think these two guys fit into the Titans moving forward next year as well? Well, McCurry's certainly going to be a big part of it. I mean, he, he developed into a starter, a guy who is really, I think, uh, settled in and kind of finding his way in the NFL. I really like his mindset and his approach and his uh, efforts to get better. They're going to count on him, you know, certainly uh, in 2024 again. Uh, as far as Eric Gear, you know, he was a surprise here last year. I mean, made the team as an undrafted free agent, you know, found a role, uh, undersized guy, but certainly very scrappy. Uh, that was very evident during the course of training camp. Now he's back in a situation with a new coach and and probably some new assistants uh, to have to prove himself again. So uh, he's scrappy. There's no question, you know, from me, in my mind, that he's going to make himself a contender for a roster spot. Jim, can't thank you enough. And for all our Tennessee Titans fans who are down here in the Mobile area and all our listeners, how can they tune in to all your Tennessee Titans coverage? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Jay Wyatt Sports. That's also my Instagram feed. Try to pump out as much information on there as possible. I write for TennesseeTitans.com, so you can find my work there. The team's Twitter account is at Titans. A lot of good content there from you know from our fine photographers to our videographers to uh, really just our whole content team that puts out a lot of information about the the Titans during a, a time of transition. Should be a busy off season as we get geared up for 2024 and uh, after one more NFL game this year everybody else is going to be kind of starting over getting ready for next year so we're uh, I think everybody's about ready to turn the page and get going toward next year. Absolutely well it's going to start right here in Mobile Alabama as the draft always does start here and Jim can't thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to join us to talk about the Tennessee Titans today. Okay y'all have a big, big week appreciate it. Appreciate sure. it. Jim Wyatt covering the Tennessee Titans.com. And we're also brought to you by many, many fine people here this week. That's right, man. Look, our Chavez Furniture Senior Bowl coverage is presented by Joe Bullard Chevrolet, Greer's Markets, Rich's Car Wash, and DNK Suit Discounters. And we're supported by Pat's Industrial Auto Supply, Gulf Coast Mortgage Solutions, and Community Bank. And we'll be right back. 
This is Richie Riley, the head men's basketball coach of South Alabama. There's nothing better than listening to WNSP Sports Radio, 105.5 FM. Welcome back to our Chavez Furniture's Reese's Senior Bowl coverage presented by Joe Bullard Chevrolet, Greer's Markets, Rich's Car Wash, and DNK Suits. Discounters were also supported by Ronnie Lee's Automotive, B&B Appliance, and McDonald's of the Barnes family. Corey, I know we're talking a lot of NFL and a little college right now. But there's a little room for some high school sports no, news, right? There's a lot right? of room. There's a lot of room for some high school news because anytime you're a state champion, mm-hmm. and according to the Call News, who was first to report today, that 3A state championship coach at Mobile Christian, Ronnie Cottrell, stepping down as the Leopards head coach, and you know having a record of 75 and 29 in eight years at Mobile Christian. That was a huge stepping stone because they had been runner-up for a couple of years. Right. And under his eight-year tenure, and then finally being at that mountaintop and winning it all, you hope all is well with Coach Cottrell and his family as well. But if you're going to go out out, go out on top the way Coach Cottrell did. Cap it off with the chip and in a season where there was a little bit of kind of questioning if you really had all the juice to get back there because your star player, Sterling Dixon, left and and joined Spanish Fort. And so to be able to do it without him uh, and, and, you know, battling through that narrative, I mean, all the credit to him. And, look, we, we love Coach Cottrell, he's a, he's a big friend of WNSP, a big friend of Lee Shervani. I'm sure Lee's going to do a whole two hours on it tomorrow morning. Uh, but, look, we, we love Ronnie. He always calls me his little buddy. Uh, when I see him on the sidelines, he'll give me a wave, even if he's in the middle of coaching the game. So uh, uh, I hope he's, uh, you know, retiring on his own terms, which he is, right? they keep him forever. If they could, you just won a championship. But hopefully he enjoys the retirement, or if it is an official retirement, because um, he's earned it. He's definitely earned it. I mean, when you look at his time as a college coordinator or recruiting coordinator, Florida State and Alabama, he's, he's paid his dues for sure. And going out on top here in the state of Alabama had already won a, a state championship there in Florida and had success pretty much everywhere he's been from a coaching perspective and learn from some of the greats and coach with some of the greats. So Ronnie Cottrell definitely will be missed at Mobile Christian. It'll be interesting to see what direction that program goes into and who will replace them. want to thank everybody for tuning in to WNSP Chavez Furniture's Reese's Senior Bowl coverage presented by Joe Bullard Chevrolet, Greer's Markets, Rich's Car Wash, and DNK suit discounters our number two coming to you live from the mobile convention center bringing you the Reese's senior bowl coverage we'll be right back Sound of Mobile presents... For the win! 
the final drive. No, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. Yep. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Dick Wiggins. For the win. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh, unbelievable. Welcome into our number two of the final drive, WNSP's Chavez Furniture's Reese's Senior Bowl coverage presented by Joe Bullard Chevrolet, Greer's Markets, Rich's Car Wash, and DNK Suit Discounters. Corey LeBound and Nick Wiggins coming to you from the Mobile Convention Center when we're ready for the players to show what they're made of tomorrow starting at practice. And, you know, Nick, we talked earlier in the first hour about the great conference championships we watched on yesterday. Kansas City squeaks one out 17 to 10 over Baltimore. San Francisco runs the table and really scores 17 unanswered in the third quarter alone and they defeat Detroit 34 to 31. If you had to sit there and compare pockets between Mahomes and Purdy. Very different. Very different. <laughs> Very different. Drop 450 million for Mahomes and a rookie contract of 3.7 for Brock Purdy. So, I, I mean, you look at probably what he makes 3.7 for completing two passes. Patrick Mahomes, that is, whereas Purdy is trying to become outside of Mr. Irrelevant is trying to put his name in Super Bowl lore. Yeah, uh, and he very well might. I mean, it's definitely going to be there as a competitor. Now, will it be there as a winner? I guess we'll find out in two Sundays. But, you know, when you talk about Patrick Mahomes and Brock Purdy's contract, Brock Purdy has to have the best contract in all of sports based off what normally they get paid and the production he puts up and what he is getting paid. Uh, I don't know. This is Either this year or next year is going to be the last year of that rookie deal. But is Brock Purdy a, a super max guy, Corey? For the San Francisco 49ers, a super max guy, probably not. So what do they pay him? Because whatever, if you don't pay him that, I think someone in the league would pay him it's a obvious big contract. This year. It's obvious this year more so than any, the value of the quarterback. I mean, he, he would have took you to a Super Bowl last year if he was healthy. And then he's healthy this year. He takes you to a Super Bowl. So as long as you've got this guy playing and, and suited up and healthy, you're going to make it to the Super Bowl with this guy so far. That's all we know. So whenever that contract is available, and I think it becomes earlier for him because of how late of a pick he was. I don't think his rookie deal is as long or something. Oh, it's going to stay the same. I mean, a rookie contract is a rookie contract. Yeah, but if you're drafted in the seventh round, it's not as many years as a first round, right? Why wouldn't it be? I thought that is how it worked. No, I mean, Not you're guaranteed. I know that's how it works in the NBA. Versus undrafted versus drafted, it's a whole different story. Because pretty much undrafted, unless you prove yourself and you're able to work in your negotiations there, I think that that's going to be the biggest, I guess, pocket point for someone in Brock Purdy's situation. But if you can go from Mr. Irrelevant to winning a Super Bowl, that is unheard of in the history of the NFL. And for him to be able to do that, I think that would, you know, only make him and his family a whole lot more financially stable here moving forward. Yeah, and it's looking like Brock Purdy has two years left on his rookie deal. 
So Yeah, you sit there and you renegotiate what your value is. Um, at the same time, I think that for him to get as far as he has, I think that that's special in and of itself. But the huge difference there, and also you, you, you would take a salary of a Patrick Mahomes. What do you think the most affordable Super Bowl ticket is right now in Vegas for the 49ers and the Chiefs? Um, most affordable. Most affordable. I mean, it's going to be a couple grand, right? Most affordable right now, $8,100. Okay. Because you're look you're looking at where it is in Vegas. Yeah, oh, yeah. And mm, I think makes sense. It, it does, and and you're looking at a rematch and, and as well. How how do you think this rematch is going to turn out? Right now, the San Francisco 49ers are a one and a half point favorite, so it's basically a pick 'em. It's basically fifty fifty. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, their defense. We've seen how the Niners have played all year, but is like logic would make you think that you should pick the 49ers right the defense is just as good maybe even better than the Chiefs I think they're both right there neck and neck but when it comes to the offense the Niners have the running back edge the wide receiver edge by a long shot their tight ends are right there neck and neck but the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, man, and he's just – he can make magic happen. But Brock Purdy makes magic happen too, right? He, he threw that ball down to Ayuk, and it looked like the Angels of the Outfields Angels kind of guided that into his hands. So Brock Purdy, he has a little bit of that Mahomes magic in him. Well, one of the things that Purdy has been able to do is he, he's just – he gets you the rushing yards that you didn't, you wouldn't think. Oh yeah, that, that, he's fast. Yeah, I mean that's what is amazing to me. The fact that when you look at his overall box score numbers, you're like, okay, he, you, you know, Christian McCaffrey should have some nice rushing yards, but without the sacks, I mean, Purdy rushes five times for 48 yards, but he's able to convert that third and four yeah. when he needs to. He, he reminds me of like uh, when Stetson Bennett was in Georgia. And you don't think that he's like this running quarterback, but then once he, you know, starts making a play with his feet, all of a sudden you're like, oh, man, this guy's actually hella elusive. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, oh, wow, did he just get a 24-yard rushing touchdown? Uh, Brock Purdy's got a little bit of that in him. But Patrick Mahomes has that, too. All well, of a sudden you I see mean, Patrick Mahomes no, just take off. It's Mahomes' magic. We, we know what the he's The best doing. quarterback's got to be able to do it a little bit, right? Even, you know, Josh Allen, right, he, he can do it. We know Lamar can do it. I think in today's modern NFL – you can't have, like, concrete in your feet anymore. You can't be a Peyton Manning or a Brady type anymore. Even when Rodgers was at his peak, you know, he moved around a good bit. I just like the fact that, again, here locally, we talked early in the first hour about Kadarius Tony and him not playing in the game due to the birth of his child. And he was on the injured list for hip and ankle problems. And Andy Reid said, yeah, he does have hip and ankle problems ankle problems but also LaMichael Pirine you saw him playing special teams on yesterday and you also see Neil Farrell Jr. from Murphy High School now Neil he's in a situation to where he can be one of those few players that have a national championship to go along with a Super Bowl mm. ring and that part is something you don't see often for somebody to be able to claim because we know the only thing that missing from Neil's really resume would have been what Sherman Williams had pulled off, which is the trifecta of the high school state championship, 
the college national championship and the NFL World Championship. Right. So Neil Farrell still on the Chiefs roster. He did see some action there. And we talked to the Jason Aponte on Friday for Niners Nation about former South Alabama Jaguar Darrell Luter Jr. and the difference that he can make. And he, again, comes in and, and makes special teams tackles there against Green Bay. And if, you, if you're able to get onto an NFL field, whether it's through special teams, like I just mentioned, seeing LaMichael on special teams for the Chiefs, that's what's huge and, and big time. And those are our local guys. And speaking of locally, you hated to see the fact that T. Martin, Michael Pierce, Jalen Armour Davis didn't have that opportunity to make it to the Super Bowl because yeah. win or lose, you were going to have some local representation there playing in the Super Bowl. And it just so happens that Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes is able to outlast the Baltimore Ravens. Are you upset with the outcomes of these conference championship games? I think it's like everyone kind of expected it to maybe be Niners Chiefs, but I think everyone's heart was really rooting Baltimore, Detroit. How, how were you feeling as Sunday kind of progressed? Definitely wanted to see Detroit make that history. And yeah. because of Dan Campbell, you know, ultimately being the head coach, you know, he, he's going to take take the bullets for all his soldiers. And I respect that, standing in front of the podium, mentioning as to why he wanted to go ahead and take and go for it on fourth down or what his logic was sitting there going for it. And I think that, you know, when you look at his comments, Dan Campbell, fourth down decision-making, let's hear from Dan Campbell and why he decided to go for it on fourth down. I just felt really good about us converting and uh, getting our momentum and, and not letting them play long ball. Um, you know, they were bleeding the clock out. That's what they do. Um, and I wanted to get the upper hand back, um, you know. And it's easy hindsight, and I get it, you know. Um, I get that. But I don't regret those decisions, and that's hard. You know, it's hard because, you know, they didn't. we didn't come through. It wasn't able to, to work out. But I just – I don't. I don't, and I understand the scrutiny I'll get. That's part of the gig, man. Um, but, you know, we just just didn't work out. I, I just don't get it, man. I, like, I get that Dan Campbell over the, you know, season has been, you know, he got this mantra of being this kind of ballsy, go for it, you know. A real football guy, right? A real man's man coach, right? Okay, cool, cool, cool. I feel like in that game, like common sense told you at least a couple times, man, if I kick this field goal, we'll be tied. That That's the thing that drives me crazy. Like if you're winning or maybe you're down by a lot and it doesn't give you the lead or tie, maybe you're down 10. Oh, we don't really need just three here. I get it at that point. But when you're only down three and you're in field goal range, how do you not kick the field goal, Corey, and tie it? And Because if you don't get it, oh, man, now we're really down. Now we're really, really struggling. If you make that field goal, even if your kicker is, what, 50-50, you know, from 40 or greater, those odds are better than going for it. Because even if you go for it, you still got another 30 yards to go until the end zone. So what happens if you keep getting to fourth down? Are you going to just keep 
not kicking field goals. If you're in field goal range and you can tie it, you should kick it. That's on me. I'm not an NFL football coach. Dan Campbell is. But I really disagree with his philosophy in that moment. Well, how about all the Lions fans who really – we need they to get these guys uh, setting up next to us they, a little they, behind they, the scenes. We got the they, Detroit Lions podcast setting up next to us. They, they, <laughs> they, they sell out the, the the stadium there, the bottom bowl, and you're you're sitting there seeing Detroit fans go nuts, and it's really a tale of two halves for yeah. a Detroit Lions fan, and it's a tale of of not only two halves, but. What's your team, the what, grit that your team. What do you think team, they think? I, well, you I, think I, they should have kicked it? I think that <laughs> when you have an opportunity to put points on the board, Coach Bryant, Paul Bear Bryant said, look, you take the points. Yep. And in that situation, when you're up 14, you 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 know you don't know that you're going to give up 17 unanswered. But even if you right. gave up 17 unanswered, you in at least that have three. <laughs> it's still tied. Right. Look, they're laughing. They're laughing. Situation. <laughs> so I, I think that you take those three. Now later on in the game, if you want to go ahead and decide to go ahead and gamble, I'm all for that. But it's just part of the grit that Coach Campbell and the mentality that he's created for that franchise, for that organization, and he rolled the dice. And I haven't seen a single player sit there and question. Now, plenty of fans have, but I haven't sure. seen a single player sit and question as to whether they should have gone ahead and rode with what Coach Campbell decided sure. to do. Because golf said, look, we just have to be better. We've executed all season long, and sure. in this situation, we just did not execute. Well, no offensive player is going to say anything because, you know, whatever offensive player lined up on those fourth downs, so they all 100% believe, 110% believe that they were going to convert. You know, they, they were surprised that they didn't convert. Um, so every, every offensive player, I, I bet, was 100% down for going for it. Uh, but unfortunately, it didn't work out. But when you when you have that momentum shift, if you've ever heard of Uncle Mo being alive, there's no better definition or no better YouTube tutorial than putting up what we witnessed yesterday at Levi Stadium for mm -hmm. the Niners and for the Lions. Because momentum, once the 49ers cut it to seven, then all of a sudden you immediately over. put it on yeah. the ground. And you give them a chance to tie it. Now you have a brand new ball game, and it's really making all your decision making. You can tell the Lions were just loosey goosey, came out, yep. smacked the 49ers in the mouth, and they weren't able to sustain that in the second half. Well, in, a, in an NFL game, every team gets breaks, right? Every team gets like a 50 50 ball that goes their way perfectly. Detroit, it seemed like, got all those in the first half, right? Over oh, up 24 to 7. And then it almost seemed in the second half they didn't get any of those balls. And then the Niners got all that. It really was, you know, people throw around Taylor two halves, but that really was exactly what it was. Um, and, you know, Dan Campbell said, you know, we played the clip earlier in the show that, you know, it's twice as hard to do it again. This might have been a lot of your guys' one shot. I feel like you wouldn't really hear maybe a lot of coaches say that. But he keeps it real. Like, it's tough to get back to where you're at, Detroit. You know, now all of a sudden, Detroit isn't sneaking up on anybody. And I don't really think they were for the most part this year. I think we all kind of thought Detroit was going to be pretty good. Obviously, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't see them going as far as they did. But now next year, everyone's going to be looking for the Detroit. The expectations, the bar has been raised. Because you look at Coach Campbell's record, every single year that he's been in Detroit, the Lions have gotten better. And it's a situation where they end the season – 12 and 5 and want to play one last clip before we go to this break. Right. George Kittle 
he he was part of that Super Bowl loss that the 49ers suffered to Patrick Mahomes. And not often do you call your shot. Sometimes you dream about it. But when NFL Films pick it up, George Kittle talking about his time with the 49ers four years ago. I will be back here. I will be back here. And I will be back with vengeance. You will not get the best of me, no sir. That's scary when Kittle says that he'll be back with a vengeance. Don't think that he's not going to not be a man of his word. And I think he will be. Not only will he be back, I think he'll be back with that vengeance. Two catches for 27 yards. Who would you rather, what tight end would you rather have in the Super Bowl? George Kittle or Travis Kelsey? Kelsey. That's easy. That's I think easy. I honestly might lean Kittle right now because Kittle blocks. George Kittle could have a amazing game and only have two catches if travis kelsey has a two-catch game we're all you know speculating if he's retiring at the end of it give, give me give me travis kelsey uh, i'm all normally i'll go kelsey and kelsey had an amazing game right on sunday uh against baltimore kelsey's a little older step slower i like kittle man i think K kittle's got like a little bit of that crazy in him i think taylor swift has softened travis a little bit well we'll see We'll definitely see how it's going to go down. And I know this much. When we come back from the break, we'll have an opportunity to talk a little bit more about not only San Francisco and Detroit, but Lamar Jackson, who is going to be this year's league's MVP, him coming up short. Two MVPs. That's impressive. Not a lot of people do that, but people don't care, do they? Need Super Bowl appearances Gotta have the well. wins. Yep. WNSP, Chavez Furniture's Reese's Senior Bowl coverage presented by Joe Bullard Chevrolet, Greer's Markets, Rich's Car Wash, DNK Suit Discounters, supporting sponsors Pat's Industrial and Auto Supply, Gulf Coast Mortgage Solutions, Community Bank, and Ronnie Lee's Automotive. The final drive will be right back here from the Convention Center, home of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Hey, this is former Mobile TV sportscaster Eric Clemens, and when I'm in town, I listen to 105.5 FM Sports Radio, WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive as we continue our Chavez Furniture Senior Bowl coverage presented by Joe Bullard Chevrolet, Greer's Markets, Rich's Car Wash, and DNK Suits Discounters. Look, we just got done talking about the Detroit Lions. We got the Detroit Lions podcast guys right next to us. They were rolling their eyes. They were laughing. They were whispering to each other and said, okay, what the hell are you talking about? Just come over here and say it to my face. So we got two guys here. Go ahead and introduce yourselves to our listeners and tell us what offended you or what did we get wrong about our uh, dissection of that game yeah we had some fun with this, this is jeff risden uh, i was with y'all i'm with y'all i believe it was friday yeah uh, yes yeah yep. so uh it's good to be back be with you in person today absolutely um i wish we were talking about a win but yeah, it is yeah. what it is indeed uh, i'm chris from detroit lions podcast i've been on with you guys before too it's it, throughout the last couple of years we have a lot of fun we always love to sit next to wnsp at the senior bowl it's a right. it's a tradition now but yeah the, the thing that it's, it's the question, should he have gone for it? Should he took the points? Should he have gone for it? And any other team, I agree. I'm like 100%. It's take the points, take the points all day. But this Detroit Lions team, this Dan Campbell team, is a team that this year 
on fourth and three or less in the opponent's territory, 86% of the time when they've gone for it, they've gotten it. The analytics for this team and this group says go for it every single time. So they did the right thing for this team, and it didn't work out, and uh, it's too bad. Let me ask you this. Knowing those numbers, 83% of the time this works when it's 27-24 and you're going for it and you don't get it, are you like, man, I get we 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 tried. It should have worked. But are you like, what are we doing? We should have just kicked the field goal. I don't care about the analytics anymore. So yeah, in hindsight, those points would have made all the difference. Would would have made a real momentum change. But that's all you have is hindsight. In foresight, you have eighty six percent looking at you in the face. I trust my guys, and that's part of what this team is built on. On that fourth down, we know our kicker isn't that great, especially at range. He's fifty percent at best outside. Not so good. And uh, Dan Campbell has trusted his guys all year, and that's the culture of this team. You know, I keep saying this quote when I talk about him. Peter Drucker said, culture eats strategy for breakfast, Mm. and that's what this team is built on. And that's – look, I look at this team next to the Philadelphia Eagles, and man-to-man, they don't have the same level of talent as the Eagles. They don't have the same level of talent as the 49ers. But the culture they built and the way they play and the heart, that's where the difference has been for this team. And I love how they walk away with this game angry. Sad at first. I've seen it today. Panay Sewell, he had anger in his voice. <laughs> he had hatred in his veins. And, and next year, I would not want to be the first team playing the Lions sure. next season. Well, you know, and Dan Campbell said it's going to be twice as hard potentially yeah. getting back. But, look, you talk about uh, talent and culture. You know, talent does fade and culture doesn't, right? Look at the Miami Heat. Their, their culture's been going for 20 years now. You bring anyone in there and they're going to find success. But let me ask you this. With the Detroit Lions – and, you know, how this season went better than anyone could expect it, but you lose in heartbreaking fashion. Are you still thinking, feeling good about your team? You're feeling like a success, or are you still really in mourning? Oh, yeah. we're, we're uh, mo- Today's a little bit of a mournful situation, but overall, like, this has been fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and, and the – the core of the team is going to stay together. They've got enough money to go out and, and retain whoever they need, whether it's Amon Ross St. Brown or Panay Sewell, who need contract extensions at some point. Jared Goff's going to need more money at some point. They have the financial wherewithal to be able to do that. And they have draft picks. They have a first round, a second round, two third rounders. I'm going to guess that at least one of those players is here, which is why we're here. Sure. Yeah. And uh, they've done very good in drafting players that fit their culture and fit their need. And, and more to the point, they know who not to draft. And I think that's that's something that gets lost on a lot of other teams. They haven't really brought anybody in. Really, it doesn't fit at all. Like they, they, have, they have an idea of how to do it. They have a nurturing culture. Uh, the assistant coaches, a lot of them are former players. They know how to relate to the players. They know how to teach and, and you know, Develop talent. That's one of the reasons why they are as good as they are. Because if, you, like Chris said, if they if you're looking at them on paper, they don't match up with some of the. They probably didn't even match up with Tampa Bay, but the way that they have, you know, the the dedication to self improvement and to building things together, it, it it makes them uh, greater than the sum of their parts, and that's that's exactly what you want. Jeff, I know I talked to you on Friday about the the Bama fraternity there on the roster, but the the still caption picture that I, I retweeted on my Twitter feed and on WNSB's Twitter Twitter feed was the Bama sci-fi Cam Latou from San Francisco 49ers, a rookie tight end who has been injured this year, along with Brian Branch for the Detroit Lions. 
I think Latuka he should have been up for there. defensive rookie of the year. Uh, yes, too. He consoled him there. You, you can see him on the bench consoling him after the game, and that just goes to show the brotherhood. It goes beyond football. Someone has to win. Someone has to lose. But we talked about it on Friday, the way that Branch and his agent as well, he absolutely got jobbed in regards to, to being a, a, a rookie potential. And, I mean, you're talking about this too, money, when it boils down to what you're cheating him out of and the potential. But he definitely came in and – the Bama Sci-Fi fraternity showed up and showed out early for the Lions. I think one of the things, this is like a perfect part of that story about the, the, the Dan Campbell team and that mindset. He was disrespected. I mean, if you look across this team, so many of these t- these players have been in one way or another, have a chip on their shoulder, been disrespected, drafted. Um, you know, you look at uh, um, Amon Ross St. Brown. He has a list memorized of everybody that was drafted before him in the draft at wide receiver. And he knows and he watches their stats every day. He takes ever hits, extra hits off the jugs machine because when he was little, the best guy out there took so many, he's going to do one more. It's that same mentality, that grit, and it's it's what you got with Branch. Branch is out there, and I love Branch. He's got the right he's, – he's, he's such a gentleman, such a good character person, but good character people could be angry too, and he plays that way, and I love the way he is out in that field. Well, look, when we come back, we're going to talk to our friends uh, from Bishop State Community College. We are here with our Chavis Furniture's Reese's Senior Bowl coverage here live from the Convention Center. And, look, we just want to thank our supporting sponsors, uh, B&B Appliances, McDonald's of the Barnes family, Dixie Supply, Mobile Mitsubishi, and AIDS Alabama. We'll probably holler at these Lions guys throughout the week. They're right here. They're our next-door neighbors. But we're going to continue the final drive here when we come right back here on WNSP 105.5. Hi, this is Mark Malone, former NFL quarterback. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Welcome back. WNSP's Chavis Furniture's Reese's Senior Bowl coverage presented by Joe Bullard Chevrolet, Greer's Markets, Rich's Car Wash, DK Suit Discounters coming to you live from the Mobile Convention Center. It's basically home base for all the media and the players here for the Reese's Senior Bowl. And also home base here in Mobile, Alabama, is the Bishop State Wildcats. Bishop State Community College, our team of the day. And we're pleased to be joined by the head women's basketball coach of Bishop State, Coach Adria Harris. Coach Harris, how's everything going this afternoon? Everything's going great. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, It's game day, so, you know, game days are always great. (laughs) Absolutely, Coach. Give us an overall look on your season so far. I know you mentioned tonight you guys have a huge one against Wallace of Hansfield at 530 at Bishop State, and there's no boom boom. So if you're on that Mardi Gras route, you can go ahead and stop by Bishop State and catch some great basketball. But tell us, give us an overview of your season so far. Well, we've been doing uh, pretty well. We are um, early on in the season. You know, I really made us a tough schedule. So we played a lot of top 10, top 25 teams um, and fell to them only um, by uh, – we played – lost to Indian River twice. Uh, we only lost to them by five once and by seven. Uh, we played Gulf Coast. We, we lost to Pensacola. So the, the, the losses that we have are to teams that are out of state and um, really – high-quality teams, and we were right there. So I believe in really putting my teams in the fire early to be able to prepare them for conference. Um, and it's, it's really paid off for us. Uh, so we're, we're doing pretty well. 
Also, Coach Harris joining us here on the final drive, Bishop State women's head basketball coach. You guys have gotten some recent offers so far from some student athletes that you have. I know that you're an Alabama State grad, but there's Alabama State <laughs> women's basketball team came down here and played A&M, and there was a young lady who was on state's roster from Bishop State. That tradition continues. The offers continue under your great coaching. And, you know, you're only going to be as great as the players that you put out on the floor, and you have some young ladies who are receiving some big-time offers. Yeah, um, we're really blessed in, in, in that area. And, um, you know, these ladies have come in and, and, and put in the work. But, you know, when I took this job at Bishop, that was my vision to be able to help kids get to the next level uh, because of the portal and all of those things. And, and you know, it just really speaking about how all that is going in the sports world, you know, the JUCO was the first portal. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, I knew some girls that were going to slip through the cracks as far as being freshmen because, uh, you know, major division ones are bringing in freshmen like that. So really came in and kind of created a plan for these girls to get to the next level. And when they come in and put up the numbers, uh, they're really being able to get some great looks. So uh, we have, uh, you know, Jamirica, She's averaging a double-double for us, but she's been recruited pretty much uh, basically by everybody really across the country right now. Um, she just picked up uh, a South Alabama offer. Uh, I just got off the phone with uh, UAB about her. Uh, she has A&M. She has Alabama State. Um, she also has Troy and Grambling State University. Um, my two guards that are leading us, uh, Amari and Unique, uh, also have Alabama State offers, and uh, Unique also has Shorter. So um, it's really about the work that they've come to put in. But definitely, you know, Bishop State is a, a place to be if you're trying to get to the next level. Without question, Coach Adria Harris joining us this afternoon on the final drive. Bishop State Community College is our WNSP team of the day. And you mentioned today being game day. In about an hour here, you'll be tipping off against Wallace and Hansfield. Tell us about your opponent this evening and why everybody should want to come and be a part of the Wildcat Nation tonight. Well, uh, the Wildcat Nation is definitely a place to be. We're playing some exciting basketball. Our, our, our men's team is ranked number one right now. They're undefeated. Um, and we are ranked, if I'm not mistaken, number uh, three. And we both play the number two teams tonight. Wallace State is uh, ranked number two. So uh, this will be a big big game for both of us. So we, we definitely want to get the win. Um, it's just a place that is growing in the basketball community. And we're really excited about all the wonderful things, not just athletics that's going on at uh, Bishop State. We have a great president and President Charles and, and the things and the, the, the things that he's doing for us and, and really believing in our visions for these programs and everything around us. The institution, um, it's really been a, a great family to be a part of. So we would love for the community to come out and, and support us on those uh, efforts to just, you know, bring excellence to the community and the city of Mobile. No question about it. Coach Harris, can't thank you enough for the tremendous job you do being an ambassador for Bishop State Community College and not only having the young ladies to excel academically but athletically as well under your tutelage there in your second year as head coach at Bishop State Community College. And if people would like to reach out to you or learn more about the remaining games you have on your schedule, how can people reach out to you if they have a student athlete or if they're interested more in learning about your program? Well, my email is aharris at bishop.edu. You can always reach me there. Um, and all of our social media platforms are Bishop State WBB. And um, that's Facebook, Instagram, 
and uh, Twitter and my personal uh, social media platforms. I can also be reached directly there is at She's a Coach. So, um, you know, reach out to us, you know, if you have game film or have a kid that we should be looking at, you know, let us know. Uh, you know, me being on the recruiting trail is one of my favorite things to do as a college coach. So uh, we'll come and check them out. And if you feel like they fit our program, they, they'll probably get an opportunity to be a lady Wildcat. Coach Harris, can't thank you enough. Best of luck to you tonight against Wallace. And we'll talk to you again very soon. All right. Thanks so much. You guys have a great day. Coach Harris, the women's head basketball coach for our WNSP team of the day. Bishop State Community College joining us this afternoon. And we want to thank again our supporting sponsors of our Senior Bowl coverage here at the Convention Center. AIDS Alabama, Mobile Mitsubishi, Dixie Supply, McDonald's, Barnes Family, and B&B Appliance. And when we come back, we'll talk to the one and only John Rachetti. John Rachetti will be bringing us our Don Hart, our Dan Hart, LLC Engineer Products and Services golf update here when we come back from the final drive. Hi, this is Bill Hancock, Executive Director of the College Football Playoff, and you are listening to WNSP 105.5 in Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Nick Wiggins joining you live from the Mobile Convention Center where this is the epicenter really of the 75th anniversary of the Reese's Senior Bowl. And before we talk more football, we got to talk to my man John Rachetti bringing us the Dan Hart LLC Engineered Products and Services Golf Report. How's everything going, Rachetti? Well, I know you guys are uh, busy down there for the Senior Bowl, recent Senior Bowl. Looking forward to a great week. Uh, always enjoy this week. And I know you guys are doing a great job getting guests on and so forth. And, you know, all the Senior Bowl just means so much to the city of Mobile. And, you know, I'm proud to be associated with the game and so forth. So uh, looking forward to the weekend. And obviously looking forward to Saturday's game at Hancock Whitney Bank Stadium. So. Uh, be good. Be a lot of obviously a lot of folks in town for the game, which is always good. And, um, it's good to see a lot of coaches and NFL people around uh, around the city of Mobile. That's for sure. Absolutely. And this week we had your show on last Monday, but since then, uh, a former University of Alabama golfer has decided to give up his amateur status and turn pro. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, no news to me. You're talking about Nick Dunlop, the winner of the America Express Championship uh, last week, or, well, I guess 10 days ago now. Um, yeah, I mean, I, no surprise. I mean, as like I told people, I mean, there's really no upside at all for him to remain at the University of Alabama to finish out the semester, uh, and then yeah, really none. And I think he made the right call, the right thing. He's going to be in the field this week at the AT&T, which is an elevated event on the PGA Tour, uh, $20 million purse. So he'll be in the lineup this week, and that'll kick off on Thursday. So obviously we'll have all eyes on that. And uh, Rory McIlroy will be in the field. We've got a great field there. But, you know, then you just look at the Tor uh, Torrey Pines 
the farmers this weekend, which uh, ended on, on Saturday. Uh, first-time winner, a Frenchman, the first time since, I think, 1903 that a Frenchman's won on the, in the United States, a major event. And uh, Matthew Pavone, birdie the 72nd hole for that victory. And here's a guy that uh, got his card late in the season on the TT World Tour, which is sanctioned by the PGA Tour. And you can, you know, PGA Tour players and World TP World Tour, they can go guys can earn status on both tours. And he earned the status on the PGA Tour by his finish last fall, and he gets the W. So congratulations to him. Robbie Shelton finished in uh, tied for 25th. We keep an eye on him. Picked up, I think, like $66,000. So he's off to a good start in 2024. Uh, the former St. Paul star and Alabama Crimson Tide did another lot of, low, lot of ties here in Mobile, obviously. Uh, as I mentioned, he went to school at St. Paul. So looking forward to that. We're going to be on the air tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, also, some couple of tidbits real quick for you guys. Terrell Hatton, uh, reportedly, has signed with Live Golf. And, uh, and another one that is close to signing for what I heard late this afternoon is Victor Hovland has done a 180 turnaround on his stance in golf, and apparently that he might be close to signing with Live Golf. So the folks at Live Golf continue to uh, get some players. Can't thank you enough, John, for jumping on your Miller Lights, John Rochetti's golf show coming up immediately following the final drive and we'll catch up with you at six o'clock for sure all right guys have a great time look forward to it and uh, we'll talk some more next week you guys be safe appreciate you john sure. Rochetti joining us and nick when we come back from this break michael Penix jr was on the opening kickoff on wnsp this morning and he said that coach DeBoer is going to win a national championship at Alabama. We got a couple minutes, Corey. We can hash it out here. W within three years. I said wishful thinking, and then you started laughing maniacally like the Joker. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, what's going on? And you, you think that that's very accurately okay. stated, All right. uh, Michael Penning well, Jr. Come on, Corey. And you Be tell me, let, let's let's talk about why he cannot win a national championship within that three-year window. Why can't he? He's inheriting more than what Coach Saban inherited when he came in. Coach Saban didn't leave him the cupboard bare. You're going to a 12-team yeah. college playoff to where when Saban took over, you, you didn't have even maybe a four-team playoff. You're looking at two teams to where then it expanded four teams. So, Coach DeBoer has a better shot at winning. No, he also uh, he has a better shot of getting into the playoffs. Doesn't have a better shot of winning. Yeah, you got to be way more teams to he, get he, to win he's, it. He's going to get in. It's harder to win. It's harder to win the playoff now, but it's easier to get in. And you know, you talk about what Nick Saban came into. Nick Saban came into a better situation than Kalen DeBoer is walking into right now. Say Nick, what? Nick Saban didn't have to follow behind. The greatest coach of all time. Look, he left you all this stuff. They just were in the playoff. Everything's here Nick, for you, DeBoer. Nick, it's all supposed Nick. to work out. No, no, Did no, no, no. Not, it would be not easier. Know what Nick Saban inherited when he came to Alabama? All right, Corey. If I need, if I said, Corey, I, want, I need you to cook me dinner tonight. All right? Go find something in my pantry. Yep. You can find something in my pantry. 
It'd be easy for you to cook dinner if I said, hey, man, I ain't got no pantry. Just go to the grocery store, pick up some ingredients, right? Kalen DeBoer didn't get to do that. He's not going in and completely starting from scratch, right? He has to use everything that Nick Saban has already set out for him. And he's not Nick Saban, right? This is not – You. You just I just don't think you can just walk in and all of a sudden, you know, this is the GOAT we're talking about, right? If he if he's such a GOAT, if he's the greatest coach of all time, as I knock over my cup, if he leaves something's in there, you're drinking <laughs> wrong. That's why it's not if he over. Leaves, you're drinking something. Yeah, you really hit you're that. drinking something. But if he leaves, it's gonna be different. Nick Wiggins. I'm listen this is, this is Kalen this DeBoer. Is the this is not the GOAT. Uh, of what you're talking to. I'll say this. If, if, if Nick Saban leaves and Kalen DeBoer wins a championship in the next three years, then I'm not going to say Nick Saban's the greatest coach of all time anymore. Like I've given him the credit. I'm going to say Alabama's. Take another sip. I'm Go ahead, say, take another sip of I would cup. say, listen, listen. Hang on. Take hang with sip. me here. I would say that Alabama is by far the greatest program in football history. Because, wow, look at Bear Bryant. Wow, Nick Saban. Oh, wow, Kalen DeBoer. You can, that would mean, My wow, any, any competent coach can come to Alabama and win a national championship. Is that the promise you're selling people on? Come or was on, it all Nick. Nick Saban? Come on, Nick. Come, come on, on, Alabama Nick. fans, pick one. Is come it, the, is on, it the script A or was it Nick Saban? It can't be Nick, both. Listen to, listen to me. What you just said is absolutely ludicrous. The fact that DeBoer has a fully stocked pantry what nick saban inherited those those goods those every one out of 10 apples was good to eat maybe not every one out of 10 so the ingredients were no good you could go ahead and yeah, turn on an oven if i don't add the flour the cake's not no, gonna man, rise. look look on cooking shows on cooking shows everyone has the same ingredients what can that chef do to make it special and if you were saying that kaylin DeBoer is the same level chef as nick saban in chef terms Three there's no way then he's not the best how can you be the best of all time Michael and then Pinnock's the junior stated Court, it's gonna take Court, three years how can you be the best of all time and then the very have, first yeah. guy who walks in the building after you, they're saying, oh, he's going to do it. He's going to do the exact same thing. No way, man. Look, it, Alabama fans, no I, I way. You, you've had some hot takes before, my brother. but It's I, a hot take that Kalen DeBoer won't this. win a championship in three years. That's a hot take. I, I, I be, it's a this. hot take to say that he is. Listen, Nick, you think it's going to be harder for him to win a national championship than not win a national championship? Ask that question one more time. Is it going to be hard? Yeah, see, that's the drink in your cup getting to you, Nick. Is it but, but what is it going to be harder for him to win or not to win a national championship within three years? It will which be. One, which it one, will be harder be? to win. It's going to be harder to win a national championship. Yeah. So, so you're, you're saying that it's going to be harder for him to win a national championship within three years than to not win? Yeah. Yes. Because so, I'm going to not win a national championship. So you're in you're the next saying three years. that within three years, let's say he loses four games this year. You're uh -huh. saying in his second year, he's going to go ahead he and loses three. That. Okay. In his third year, what is he going to do? Two. Okay. And does that not put him within two losses within the SEC the way the current. I'm not saying he's not making the playoff. I'm saying he's not going to win a national championship in three years. That's so early. No way. Nick Wiggins. It's not Mr. Pinnock. How long did it take? I Nick, can't agree with you Nick on that. Saban. How long did it take Nick Saban to win a national championship? See, that's how long did that's it take the him? greatest coach of all time. How long did so it if, take him? So if Kalen DeBoer does it, is he all of a sudden in that no, conversation? One does not make you the greatest, but he just came out of the national championship, and the groceries are much better at Bama than they were at Washington. Mm.
But how can he whip them together, though? We'll see that. That's right. We'll see that. The final drive on WNSP 105.5, hour number three, coming up. The Sound of Mobile presents... For the win! The final drive. No, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins. For the win! Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh, unbelievable. Welcome to our number three of the final drive. WNSP Chavez Furniture's Reese's Senior Bowl coverage presented by Joe Bullard Chevrolet, Greer's Markets, Rich's Car Wash, and DNK Suit Discounters. Want to thank all those fine folks for making it possible for us to broadcast here from the Mobile Convention Center here, which is the mecca and the hub of the 75th anniversary Reese's Senior Bowl. And now joining us this evening, Zach Blackerby, host of Locked On Auburn. A lot going on with the Auburn Tigers, not only from a football standpoint, but also from a basketball standpoint as well. So we want to stay locked on Auburn with Zach Blackerby. Good evening, Zach. How's everything going, my brother? You with me, Zach? Can you hear me, Zach? I'm here. All righty. I got you there, my brother. Glad to grab you on this evening with the final drive. Let's talk a little bit about the Auburn Tigers and Hugh Freeze. We know about his outstanding recruiting staff and everything that he has going on from his recruiting aspect. We know he filled his OC, and now he's just trying to keep everybody up to date on with his defensive coordinator search. Let's talk about that. What's the latest you've heard about the Auburn Tigers and Hugh Freeze from a defensive coordinator standpoint? Yeah, I mean, they've been really quiet on the D.C. side of things. I mean, early on, it seemed like it was Chris Kiffin and then everybody else. Uh, I, I still think if I had to guess today who it would be, I would say that it's Chris Kiffin. Um, but at this point, I think there's a lot of directions that, uh, that it could go. Um, DJ Durkin is a name that early in the week, a lot of early last week, uh, a lot of people thought it could possibly be DJ Durkin. Um, it seems like the holdup now, um, or since there has been a holdup, it's probably not DJ Durkin. But man, those are the two names that we've heard over and over and over again. Yeah, and that's something there. At this situation to where next week being National Signing Day, I know you, you probably would like to have had a defensive coordinator in place prior to National Signing Day. All indications, do you really think that that's going to happen before or after National Signing Day? Uh, I guess before. I mean, like, can he go another week without hiring a D.C.? Sure. I don't Yeah. You know, there's a lot of Auburn folks that are panicking because it's taking so long. It's like I really don't think it makes that big of a difference 
if Auburn has a DC or not. I don't think there's any like major difference as far as you know prepping for spring. If you have a DC ready on January 1st versus February 1st, I don't think it's a huge deal um, unless unless he keeps getting turned down. But I, I don't think that's what's happening. That's that's not the vibe that that I'm getting. It seems like Hugh Freeze had a few guys in mind. It seems like they're possibly waiting it out and seeing what happens on the NFL coaching carousel side of things with D.C. jobs slowly filling up with all these vacancies that emerged in the NFL, which makes sense with Chris Kiffin and also makes sense with D.J. Durkin. You know, Harbaugh loves Durkin. You know, he, was, uh, he coached with him up in, Maryland, or in Michigan before he took the Maryland job. So both those guys could be holding out, seeing if they could get a D.C. job at the NFL level, which makes sense. You know, I, I think most of those guys would prefer coaching the NFL versus college right now with the, with the way all of these rules and recruiting and, you know, all, all these kind of things that you have to do. So my guess is this is being impacted and delayed due to the NFL coaching carousel. And they're kind of waiting to see if they've got some interviews lined up and, and, and we'll see kind of which job they end up taking. Here in Mobile, the Reese's Senior Bowl is going to be home to basically all of Auburn's secondary, which is rare when you start looking at Nehemiah Pritchard and DJ James. And you also, of course, Jalen Simpson. And then from a defensive line standpoint, someone who was really aggressive and really came on for the Tigers, Marcus Harris. Plenty of Auburn Tigers here to increase their draft stock upcoming this week here in Mobile. No question. I think the NFL is going to love DJ James, and of course he's a you know a hometown guy in the Senior Bowl too. So I'm sure he'll get a lot of attention, and rightfully so. Nehemiah Pritchett, a guy that I'm actually pretty interested to see what the NFL's opinion of Pritchett is. Um, DJ James, I think, can do a little bit more than Pritchett can. I think Pritchett's probably, a, you know, a, he's probably a boundary corner, um, maybe maybe a day three pick, and, and we'll see. You know, maybe he can increase his stock during this week of practices over at the Senior Bowl. Marcus Harris is a guy who I think can make the most money this week. I think a lot of these other guys are probably pretty much set with where they could go. Uh, but Marcus Harris, could he do enough to impress and possibly move in to be in the top 50 pick? I think he's a day two pick, somewhere around two, around three right now. But, man, he's got some traits that you love to see. Um, can he can he kind of impress the right teams this week? That'll be crucial. The Jalen Simpson's another guy where I could see how one of the 32 teams really, really likes Jalen Simpson and maybe drafting him earlier. Than, than some other folks. He's just so versatile, so versatile, you know, starting his career at a corner, and he was a pretty solid corner, bump and run guy on the outside, and then transitioning inside to play safety where he really eventually found his home. His first few steps, every player, just so good, very little wasted motion. So um, I think all these guys, uh, you know, have different things to prove, but I think the most steady is D.J. James, and I think the guy with the most upside is Marcus Harris. Well, I tell you, a guy with a huge upside for the Auburn Tigers is the leader of the Auburn Tigers, new athletic director, John Cohen. And he's been entrusted with, you already see all the major renovations that have gone on from a football standpoint, but will continue to be improved there. You look at the scoreboard there at Jordan-Hare Stadium, continue to be improved, and the solid play of Coach Bruce Pearl, even though they've they've come up against a, a two-game 
three-game losing streak, I don't think that, you know, they're just quality competition, two great opponents that they faced on the road there. But the renovations there of Jordan-Hare Stadium to the north end zone is something that I know a lot of fans are happy about. Then then there are those traditionalists who are like, please don't mess with it, please don't touch it. Yeah, they've listened to the please don't mess with it, please don't touch it crowd for too long. I mean, Jordan-Hare <laughs> Stadium, when you compare it to other SEC venues, it's just behind. It's behind in a few different things. I, you know, I, I think game day atmosphere, it's, it's top-notch. You know, I think they do great things with the massive Jumbotron and the sound system and the LED lights. I think all that's great. I think all that's great. But at some point, you need to do some things that allow you to make more money and get more money from boosters and donors. And the club level at Auburn is just is vastly behind literally every other school in the SEC. Talking to big money folks, that seems to be a common thing that's brought up often in these closed-door meetings. And that's something where, you know, when Cohen came in, there was this belief that he was going to kind of increase that, get more people involved donating and uh, getting that revenue going. And you've got to have better things that you can offer on that game day experience for your high, you know, big ticket donors. And that's something that's being discussed and that's something they need to fix as far as, you know, raising that bottom line for Auburn football so you can allow you to do more things. Yeah, I agree with you there. It is keeping up with the Joneses. In your mind, I mean, Beard Eves Coliseum there, the Cliff Dwellers. Uh, you look Sonny Smith roaming that old sidelines there. There's been some, some great traditions that were held there. What would you like to see be done with Beard Eves? I mean, could you make it just a volleyball only in some offices? What do you think the biggest use of Beard Eves Coliseum could be? More parking, make a parking lot there. I, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I know they use it for some different things. There's a lot of offices, and I, had, I even had some classes in there my junior and senior year. So I know it has more, um, more use than just athletics, which is certainly a component when you talk about you know college venues and you know everything they do with it. But I, um, I don't know. I, I don't have a great answer for that, Corey. But you know, if you're going to use it for something that you care about, you've got to um, you've got to upgrade it. That's going to cost sure. a lot of money too. So I, I don't know. I don't. I can't imagine volleyball would want to play there. I'm sure they would much rather play in Neville. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure. I don't have a good answer for that. Well, while we're talking about Neville, it is, to me right now, the most electric college environment there that Auburn and Bruce Pearl have created. And you go and look at the Auburn Tigers having gone up to number eight in last week's poll, dropping to 16 this week. But you look at playing where they did on the road at Coleman Coliseum against their rival, going on the road and playing at Mississippi State in the hump, which is never an easy place to play. But the the biggest thing within those two losses have really been the disparity in the rebounding factor for Bruce Pearl Mm -hmm. and the Auburn Tigers. And that's where they have to improve. And Coach Pearl has made no bones about it. That's, That's why they have lost these two games, because they really haven't gone to the glass like they needed to. Right. Yeah, I mean, just giving possessions to your opponent. I mean, that almost might as well be a turnover just because you're giving your opponent an extra shot, which is in these close games you can't do. 
You can, too. I mean, and props to this team for not giving up, especially being down a ton. Was it 14 against Alabama at the half, I think? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, props to them for, like, clawing back and fighting in, and uh, they eventually took the lead at one point. But, you know, that's a team where, like, if just the effort. I mean, a lot of rebounding is effort. I know there's technique and, you know, spacing and, you know, a lot of athletic, you know, prowess that goes into it. But, that's a that's the thing that Auburn should be better at. I mean, this is a long team, an athletic team. They should be not. They shouldn't be giving up as many offensive rebounds as they are. Um, and, and you're certainly more okay with it against Alabama than than Mississippi State. I, I I don't think Mississippi State's that good of a team. I know they've got a few quality wins on their schedule, but that's a team that Auburn should be. If Auburn is where they think they are. And I think they are there, Corey. I think they're a top five team in the SEC in basketball right now. But I agree. You, to, to solidify that, you can't lose in Starkville. You, know, you can't lose those types of games. And to, to me, that's going to be um, something that they've got to address moving forward. I mean, you know, they're about to go, uh, you know, they, they go to Oxford in a few games. That's going to be a game that's going to be tricky. And we've seen them be okay on the road. You know, they blew out Arkansas to start off conference play. They survived against Vanderbilt, won by 15. So, you know, they're capable of winning on the road. But my biggest thing, Corey, is this team's got to win a close game. Because right now they are 0 for 4 in close games, and that's something they've got to figure out how to do. Yeah, you're exactly right moving forward where Auburn has. I mean, Vanderbilt at Auburn, home sweet home in Neville Arena before you turn the calendar and start this February schedule. And you mentioned Coach Beard and the Ole Miss Rebels and the job that they've done. And, you know, you don't want to have that let Mississippi sweep you there in that situation with Mississippi State and Ole Miss having defeated you. But the last couple of years is is what we've seen is in this state that is known as a football state without question, the quality of basketball that Nate Oates and Bruce Pearl have both brought to this state, it warranted an ESPN telecast because when you see that Auburn having been an SEC champion and Alabama having been an SEC champion and beating the likes of Kentucky and Tennessee and whoever else is in front of them, basketball's definitely got bigger and brighter and bolder in this state. Well, tell the ESPN that because they all they wanted to do was talk about football, especially for the first 20 minutes of that broadcast, which I think is a shame to both Bruce Pearl and um, and what Nate Oates has built. And I mean, I, I thought that was that was criminal. I thought it was awful. So, um, you know, give, give love to these basketball programs, not um, you know, not quarterbacks <laughs> that happen to play for those schools, but. Um, you know, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens when they return to Auburn. Maybe maybe it'll uh, maybe it'll be more like a basketball broadcast instead of something else. Well, as we approach next week's signing day, I know Auburn still has some targets on the board. They would still like to hit some home runs. Any names? I mean, because again, when On Three did their re-ranking of prospects cam coleman was one of the elite wide receivers right there in the entire country and is there anybody else on the board that you think hugh freeze is really in the second signing day before transfer portal opens up after the a-day game that auburn really wants to put on the planes i'm about to ask you who the targets are because i i haven't heard anything as far as you know them rounding out this class with guys outside of Dimitri Nicholas, who is a guy who's been committed for a long time. I believe he's Auburn's lowest rated player 
in the class, and there was some talk on if he was going to be a part of the class or not. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, sound, it's, it sounds like there's a, a lot of stuff in regards to like his grades and things like that, so we'll see if he's able to sign next week or not. But outside of that, I'm not really expecting a whole lot. Yeah, I, I haven't heard a lot of movement either. I, I think that they did such a tremendous job with this incoming first initial signing class, and there's still going to be work there to be done in the portal after the A-Day game, and hopefully we'll have some great weather for the Auburn fans there in April to where they can enjoy and don't have to worry about being in the rain and freezing cold moving forward for for Auburn's A-Day game. But, you know, Zach, if people want to follow all of your tremendous coverage and really be locked in and locked on to Auburn, especially as they're making this second stretch of the SEC schedule as well as getting kept up to date with Auburn's coaching searches from a defensive coordinator standpoint and any other auxiliary staff as well. No better place than to have you and how can they reach out to you and follow all of your great Auburn coverage. Yeah, Locked on Auburn available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. You can read all of our written work at auburndaily.com. I, I hear Brawner louder than I hear you right now. So um, just uh, I hope that's not going out over the air. But no, um, just I can't to hear give you all that note. I can't hear him. So if you hear him, my man Bronner, at least he's in the studio. We know he's working hard, but it's always great to catch up with you, Zach. I appreciate it so very much. And we look forward to catching up with you again next Monday as well. Hey, thanks, brother. Talk to y'all soon. You got it. WNSP's Chavez Furniture's Reese's Senior Bowl coverage presented by Joe Bullard Chevrolet, Greer's Markets, Rich's Car Wash, DNK Suit Discounters, also presenting and supporting sponsors, rather, B&B Appliance, McDonald's Barnes Family, Dixie Supply, Mobile Mitsubishi, and AIDS Alabama. The final drive coming to you live from the Mobile Convention Center. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Vern Lundquist from CBS Sports. You're listening to WNST Mobile, Alabama. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Nick Wiggins joining you and want to thank our last guest, Zach Blackerby, host of Locked On Auburn, joining us. And we want to thank our fine supporting sponsors who made this show live from Mobile's Convention Center possible. We want to thank Insurance Office of America, LNS Air, the Orthopedic Group, Ward International, Hal Hayes with Ultra Wash of Mobile, and AFS Solutions for making this program possible. Coming to you live from the Mobile Convention Center. And Nick Wiggins, I know before you had to step away, we were having that interesting conversation about Coach DeBoer and the comments that Michael Penix Jr. made here on the opening kickoff with Mark and Lee this morning. I really got y'all fired up, man. I got all these guys in the app fired up. They're calling me Stephen A. Smith, which I take as a compliment. Thank you, everyone. But, look, all I'm saying is Alabama couldn't win a national championship the past three years without Nick Saban. Why would they win one the next three years without Nick Saban, right? Does that – that makes logical sense, right, Corey? 
Well, if you're doing it analytically from it, Nick Saban has not won a national championship within the last three years or within his last three years when he was the head coach at Alabama, sure, absolutely. But if you're looking, going back and comparing the fact that what Nick Saban and when he made it to the national championship, it was within his first three years at Alabama. And I think that that is one of the biggest things that we're talking about. And, you know, going to Alabama is something Mobile Christian has had a couple of student athletes Mm -hmm. to do. And today we did find out that Ronnie Cottrell, the head football coach at Mobile Christian, the former head coach at Mobile Christian has stepped down as the head coach of the Leopards. And it's one, Nick, that you hate to see go. But if you are going to step away from a program, why not do so on top? I'll tell you what, I know that Mark Heim needs to be careful because I know Lee Shervanian's going to be wanting uh, Mr. Cottrell sitting across from him on that morning show if he could get it. I feel like any time Mark would be out of town, that'd be the first call, him and a Dan Jennings. Uh, for Lee to kind of, you know, have fun and hang out in the morning. So I know Lee will be, you know, calling him every day. Hey, what are you planning on doing now that you're done coaching? You planning on getting into broadcasting? So Coach Cottrell, just be ready for it if it hasn't already started already. (laughs) Well, I know this, you know, uh, you're looking at a situation where Coach Cottrell told AL.com that he wanted to pursue a college coaching job and he's already in that process and mobile christian is going to work quickly to hire a brand new head coach so i know that you know a lot of the players there are sad to see coach Cottrell leave but again leaving on top of 3a before mobile christian transitions over to 4a next year is something that coach Cottrell was really happy about i wonder if all the news of a bill belichick leaving a pete carroll retiring a nick saban retiring all these big coaches going out i wonder if that had ronnie Cottrell kind of starting to lean that way a little heavier do you, do you think that played anything into it or just not nothing at all uh nothing at all just the timing of coach Cottrell saying, look, I've accomplished everything that I can. The only thing that's left for me to accomplish at Mobile Christian is to go to -to back-to-back state championships and to become back-to-back state champions. And he would do so at a new classification going from 3A to 4A. But, again, I I know that I'm happy for him going out on top at Mobile Christian. And I know he still has that coaching itch and wants to scratch that coaching itch that he has and still has a lot to give back, whether that is on the college level, whether that's on the high school level. He still has plenty to give and plenty knowledge to share there. And he's always been one of our favorites on WNSP without question. Definitely, man. Um, you know, I hope everything works out for him in the future. Let's it will. See. In, in it, the it app, they're saying, will. Corey, help me out here. In the app, they're saying, good grief, Nick. You're comparing Ronnie Cottrell to all those legendary coaches that you just mentioned? You're hilarious. Well, look, it's, it's different levels, right? We're not on a national scale. We're not at, you know, winning national championships. We're not winning Super Bowls. I get that. I get that. But. In terms of impact on athletes, right, young people's lives, the guy just won a state championship, the highest level of anything you can get in the level of 
uh, football that he's coaching at, right? That's the greatest reward you can get. And let's remember, right, Sterling Dixon, you know, the star defensive player was supposed to be on this team. He left. People wrote Mobile Christian off this year. And Ronnie Cottrell, he did not write back, all right? He pulled a Geno Smith, and he just grinded it out. So, But my point was that seeing all these legendary coaches in their older age retire, if seeing that made Ronnie Cottrell think, hmm, I just won a championship, maybe I can actually go out on top and go out, you know, like a lot of these other guys are doing. I wasn't saying that Ronnie Cottrell was Nick Saban or Bill Belichick. Corey, you understand what I was saying, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I know that you're just talking about, and you're absolutely right within regards to the parallel of Nick Saban was a, a, a national champion, okay? You look at Bill Belichick, yes, he was a world champion. Same thing with Ronnie Cottrell. He was a state champion, and all of the tremendous differences that these coaches made is the fact that they were called coach the difference that they made in young men's lives so absolutely i definitely understand the fact that the analogy that you're making there and the comparison there because you're all right when you are called coach that is a tremendous privilege to be called a coach and coach Cottrell, you know he earned that respect deserved that respect as did bill belichick and you know nick saban as well so i agree with you there nick well Corey. I may not be looking at you face-to-face -face as I had to relieve Michael so he could go hang out with John Ricchetti tonight. But we are still bringing you guys our Chavez Furniture Senior Bowl coverage, and we're going to keep giving it to you here for two more segments here in this final hour. And then we're going to keep doing it the rest of the week. So on behalf of Corey LeBounty, myself, the final drive, everyone here at WNSP, we'll be right back. Charles Fowler from the University of Alabama. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Roll Tide. Welcome back to WNSP's Chavez Furniture's Reese's Senior Bowl coverage presented by Joe Bullard Chevrolet, Greer's Markets, Rich's Car Wash, and DK Suit Discounters. And as the conference championships were being played, you do look at some other assistant coaches who took up full-time positions now in the NFL as Bills, the Buffalo Bills officially named Joe Brady, their full-time offensive coordinator as he took over for the fired Ken Dorsey there almost halfway through the season. The Browns, they hired Ken Dorsey as their offensive coordinator and the Eagles are hiring Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator. Nick wanted to get your thoughts there on Ken Dorsey not being able to get it done in Buffalo, but resurfacing there in Cleveland and becoming part of the Browns staff. Uh, I mean, look, once you're in the NFL, you kind of just are going to bebop around jobs, uh, even if you lose one, right? Uh, so that makes sense to me. I do like the idea of them keeping their – um, new offensive coordinator promoting him, you know, to that role officially. Uh, you know, they've said it many times during the Bills broadcast since he came on. They've had, the, you know, one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL since he's taken over. And, you know, they came damn close to beating the Kansas City Chiefs and probably, you know, making it to a Super Bowl. Um, so I like that hire. And the, uh, the hire that really interests me the most is Kellen Moore because Kellen Moore was a longtime offensive coordinator in Dallas – 
Then this year he was somewhere else. Where was he at this year, Corey? Kellen Moore? Yeah. I'm not sure where he came he from. I can Dallas. tell you where he went. Yeah, he was he was only here for w- this year. was the one year he was there. might have been like a Chargers or something. I don't know. Someone in the app helped me out. But I like him going to Philly, though, because Philly had some offensive issues, and Kellen Moore, he knows offense. So maybe that will work out for the Eagles. I mean, they needed to make some type of changes. Well, let me ask you this. The San Francisco 49ers, what changes do you think they've made to differentiate the difference between losing to the Chiefs four years ago and trying to supersede and beat the Chiefs now four years later? What what changes do you think the head coach has made there, Coach Shanahan? Well, the biggest change is that they added this running back, this guy you might know by the name of Christian McCaffrey, and in the app, that was the Chargers that Kellen Moore was coaching at. One year at the Chargers was this year. But they added Christian McCaffrey since that Super Bowl loss. They also have, I'm assuming, their franchise quarterback of the future in Brock Purdy. And, you know, they if they had Brock Purdy last year, it probably would have been a Chiefs Niners Super Bowl last year. Um, so we're getting that matchup this year. They're looking as healthy as the Niners could possibly look and have looked in a while. Um, but I would say that the biggest difference is just adding McCaffrey. Um compared to the last time they were in the Super Bowl. I mean, obviously, there's other changes, too, on defense, right? I don't know if Bosa was there. He, if he was there, he was really young, like a rookie. Uh, and then you bring in Young, who they just traded for this year. So, I mean, they got all the guys, man. Well, I, I'll, I'll give you this stat and this number that was provided by CBS Sports. And I found it pretty interesting that Kyle Shanahan, he had been 0-31 when trailing by five or more points in the fourth quarter before last week's game against Green Bay. 0-31, and And now all of a sudden, two weeks in a row, when you need it the most, you're getting the most out of your head coach and the results that the 49er fans are sitting there dealing with. And a lot of that has to do with Brock Purdy. We mentioned the salary that he has, his rookie's, contract $3.7 million as opposed to Patrick Mahomes' $450 million contract. So 3.7 versus 450. I know one man, it's not a one-man show, but I think Purdy can get his pockets a little heavier if he's able to win the Super Bowl. Oh, no question. No question at all. Now, I'm curious what that level of uh, price will become if he wins the Super Bowl. Because, I mean, like, this guy is in the MVP race this year. He would have taken his team to the Super Bowl if he was healthy, probably, last year. He took them this year being healthy. So this is a guy who, if he's starting for your team, and yes, I can agree that the Niners are, like, the most stacked team in the NFL, but this co- this is a quarterback who can take you to a Super Bowl. I mean, there is going to be teams that would love to pay this guy probably $40 million dollars a year over five years someone out there but I think the Niners are going to have to bite the bullet and pay him eventually and it probably will have to be a max because I mean if you're Brock Purdy's agent why would you accept anything less Um, especially if you win a Super Bowl my gosh like if I won a Super Bowl and I'm Brock Purdy's agent I'm saying why why is Joe Burrow getting paid more than my client why is Jalen Hurts getting paid more than my client where are their Super Bowl rings so 
I, I he's got a lot, a lot of money he can earn if he wins the Super Bowl for sure. They were able, the 49ers and Brock Purdy, able to erase the largest deficit in conference championship history. So when you start looking at history, is history on the side of the 49ers? Is How would Kyle Shanahan ultimately feel knowing that, look, it, you, you want to finish business, right? When you have unfinished business, to get that second opportunity with the same opponent and come up with the same result, which would be a loss for the 49ers, how devastating would that be to Shanahan? Because it's not it's not like college. Yeah, we were the second-best team. Yeah, we got there. But to come away with two losses to the Kansas City Chiefs, man, that would, that would really be devastating to one Shanahan. Definitely. And then, you know, you're not even including the 28-3 to collapse in Atlanta that a lot of people pin mostly on Kyle Shanahan, who was the offensive coordinator at that time. So Kyle Shanahan, he's been on the side, the horrible side of a big comeback, and now the best side of a big comeback. But like you said, he hasn't beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And in the app, uh, one of our users says, you know, Sorry. One of our users says that Patrick Mahomes is 14-3 and three in playoff games. I mean, that is a pretty crazy statistic, and we know that Kyle Shanahan can choke a game every now and then. Uh, I, honestly, I think I'm probably leaning Kansas City in this game, even though the Niners have everything going for them other than the quarterback position, but so did every other team that Kansas City beat on the way here, right? So you kind of have to just ignore logic and just, you know, roll with Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, rolling with Mahomes, we had the discussion to begin today's show about what it would take for Mahomes to be considered the GOAT. And to, like I said, I'll, I'll stand on this. Mahomes is probably the most electric and exciting football quarterback that we've watched maybe ever in regards to winning multiple Super Bowls, winning playoff games, finding a way to take the team on his back. Tom Brady, at the end of the day, yes, all he did was win seven Super Bowls with two different franchises. And Mahomes, you look at what he's been able to accomplish when in his first six years in the league, six consecutive AFC championship games. But I, I don't know what does it take to surpass Tom Brady is it going to be the rings is it going to be the passing numbers what is it going to take for Mahomes to be considered the GOAT because if for some reason here in a couple of weeks he's able to come away with another Super Bowl ring I know that a lot of the talk is going to say yes Brady has seven but Mahomes is the best quarterback we've seen yeah I think for Patrick Mahomes to officially be the GOAT, it's it comes down to rings, right? Okay. Um, okay. Because for a long time there was an argument, Joe Montana or Tom Brady, then Tom Brady edged him out because of the rings. Right. We live in right. ring culture. So for Patrick Mahomes, he has got to win this Super Bowl, and he's got to get him, I would say, at least three more. I think he could get six, and if his stats are just astronomically uh, higher or than Tom Brady's, then you give him the edge. But you got to get as close as you can to seven and, and two and not even three is close enough. I mean, Mahomes is 28 years old and the NFL quarterback. I mean, we saw Brady play quarterback until he's 40 into his forties, his mid forties, which is not common and not average there. Mahomes has another 10 years. Level. 
So, I mean, you look at them having another 10 or 12 years, like you said, and I don't know how great the Chiefs can be within the next 10 to 12 years, but Mahomes is still fairly young by quarterback standards when you do look at this situation for him. And I don't know. Someone says, you know, ring culture. They've been playing for the ring since the league's inception. This isn't yeah, a new criteria. No, but it's a new thing where that's all anyone cares about. And that was born in the LeBron James era where anything that said, it says how many rings at the end? How many rings? Oh, did he win a championship, though? Oh, Lamar Jackson's great, but has he won a championship? Oh, does he have a ring? It always comes to that. It always comes to that. And in our current society, it becomes like a conversation ender, right? They bring it up every time on NBA on TNT. Shaq gives Charles Barkley hell for that, right? So ring culture, yes, they've been playing for rings for a long time, but it's been really emphasized as of late as being like the only thing that matters. That's why people don't care about the regular season in basketball anymore because what does it matter if I average 30 this season if it only matters if I get a ring at the end of it? So there's well, my ring culture uh, rant. <laughs> You know, Charles Barkley, a lot of people, you can't consider him the GOAT. You can't consider John Stockton the greatest guard of all time. Why? Because they say they never won that NBA championship. A lot of people want to say Carl Malone, the greatest power forward of all time, never won that NBA championship. And I will say this, Mahomes, he's going to continue to win his fair share of rings. Whether he beats the 49ers here in 13 days, that's a whole different story. Because I, I guarantee the 49ers, sometimes it's better to be the hunter than the hunted. Definitely. And right now we know the Kansas City Chiefs are the hunted. And we see a couple of years ago they fell short in the Super Bowl. It's not like they're invincible. They just find a way to play their best football late. That's right. And Corey, we got a uh, caller on the line real quick, and then we'll wrap up the show here in our next segment. Caller, what's up? Hey, enjoying your show. Thanks uh, for taking my call. Um, when you said the goat there about Patrick, it made me want to call you because it seems like every time I watch the Chiefs, and I'm not a Chiefs fan, uh, when I'm wanting to pull for the other team or whatever, um, he seems to get every break at the right time, the late hit, I mean, whether it's a tap, uh, you know, a swipe, or any call that they can get. Do you guys agree with that? Is that just something that I've noticed through the whole season, not just here in the playoffs? But it seems like that team is destined for the, uh, you know, a drive killer. is just one one holding, one late hit, especially on the quarterback, or even if he's falling down and they're trying to attack him, all kind of things like that. Have you ever noticed anything like that? Yeah, we appreciate the call, man. And, um yeah, I mean, when you're a star player, you get called like a, the ref's going to call a game for you like a star player. Would you agree with that, Corey? Yeah, I mean, you, your $450 million investment there in Patrick Mahomes. There's not been that kind of investment in any other particular position. So, yeah, I agree that the Chiefs have benefited. But, I mean, it's kind of like when you flop in basketball, they give you the benefit of the doubt there. Mahomes Yes, there were some ill-advised penalties there by the Ravens. And, you know, it goes back eight penalties for 90-plus yards and a fumble at the goal line. I mean, it was a, a perfect storms of mistakes. It's not one mistake, multiple mistakes that will cost you. But, yeah, you protect your investment. Yeah, most definitely, man. And, look, when we come back, we're going to wrap up day one of our Chavis Furniture's Reese's Senior Bowl coverage. And we just want to thank some of our supporting sponsors, LNS Air, the Orthopedic Group, Ward International, Hal Hayes with Ultra Wash of Mobile, AFS Foundations, Pat Industrial Auto Supply, Gulf Coast Mortgage Solutions, and Community Bank. 
And as always, we're presented by Joe Bullard Chevrolet, Greer's Markets, Richard's, Rich's Car Wash, and DNK Suits Discounters. We'll wrap it up in this next segment. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Slick Willie Shaw from the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters. You're listening to Sports Radio WNSP 105.5 FM. Welcome back to the final drive, and you're listening to WNSP's Chavis Furniture's Reese's Senior Bowl coverage presented by Joe Bullard Chevrolet, Greer's Markets, Rich's Car Wash, and DNK suit discounters. And today we've discussed basically the meltdown of the Detroit Lions. And we wanted to thank Chris Schultz and Jeff Risden from the Detroit Livewire for joining us there in their segment as they're sitting next to us here at the convention center. And, you know, when you look at it, Nick, again, Mahomes works his magic. He's going back to the Super Bowl, San Francisco and Kansas City. The rematch is coming. Yeah, unfortunately, we got two Darth Vader's facing off against each other. We didn't get our Luke Skywalker of Detroit Lions we, or, you know, our Lamar Jackson, who is going to end the Taylor Swift saga. Unfortunately, we have, well, I guess technically two more weeks to put up with all that officially. Yeah, we do. 13 days. Uh, Who are you wanting to win, Corey? Um, I really wanted the Detroit to win. I'm talking about out of the matchups we have now. We're, we'll make our official picks and predictions later, but who whose vibe are you liking more? Uh, you know, payback is ultimately a, a dish served cold. So we'll see if the 49ers are able to serve a little bit of paybacks. There's nothing wrong. Like I say, it's easier to be the hunted than it is to be the hunter. And I, I think that when you're in a situation like the Chiefs are, uh, you know, they, they want to stay at the top and create history of themselves going back to back. That's right, man. That's right. Well, look, Corey, day one of our Chavez Furniture Reese's Senior Bowl coverage is in the books. I know that tomorrow we will get up pretty early, earlier than usual, to check out that press conference going down there tomorrow. But we're going to be at practices. Practices start, so we'll be giving you all type of insight and exclusive behind-the-scenes content from that. Looking forward to that as the pads will not necessarily be popping tomorrow, but the highlight reels and all the scouts and evaluations will be taking place at Hancock-Whitney Stadium. We'll start bright and early with our Chavez Furniture's Reese's Senior Bowl coverage on the opening kickoff from 6-9 to nine with Mark and Lee. For Nick Wiggins, I'm Corey Labonte. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.